0: All right, Joe. Well, welcome back to the Cross Trading Ministries podcast. Uh, We took last season, had a good time. Hopefully you had a good time. I had a good time talking about spiritual friendship. And uh, we kind of helped guys look at uh, male loneliness and just the tragedy of male loneliness. Um, And we helped them hopefully see and set themselves up for some good, meaningful spiritual friendships in their lives. But we want to shift focuses for this new season of our podcast and tackle a totally different, uh, subject and a different problem that guys are struggling with. And really we're going to rally around sin and fighting sin. Uh, part of this, the reason why we're going here is uh, guys struggle with this, right? And we want to try to be helpful for guys, Christian men that are trying to move forward and grow in their lives. The other part of this is Joe. You just wrote a book about this, right? (laughs) You just wrote a book about this. So, tell me a little bit about why you wrote this book and what problem you see that guys are wrestling with. Yeah,
1: well, one reason is uh, because I personally struggle with sin big time, and I, I struggle with knowing what to do about my own sin. And so, you know, some of this you could say is selfish motive, but uh, selfish motive. But uh, beyond myself, I think in a way that's really bizarre, uh, it, this just isn't really a talking point, um, mm. how you actually fight sin. Uh, I think most of uh, kind of the, the Christian church right now runs by what, what I like to call it an evaporation model, this idea mm. that if you just keep listening to preaching and maybe some worship music, over time sin is supposed to just evaporate out of your life, and it's not our experience, and it's not even what the New Testament says. The New Testament, Paul makes these Comments about us putting sin to death in uh, Colossians three. He's got a whole chapter in Romans, which is about this this fight that we're in, and uh, and for whatever reason, these principles don't get passed on to the guys who are in the trenches. And so, as a result, a lot of Christians they're they're kind of they're in despair because it just doesn't seem to be getting better. They're frustrated. And there just aren't many voices giving giving practical instruction on this topic. So it just seems so needed.
0: Yeah. I mean, in addition to that, let's be honest, this is not like the most fun topic to talk about, right? <laughs> like I had a blast last season talking about friendship because friendship is fun, man. I have, I have a good time with friends and uh, it's pretty easy to bring up friendship amongst any crowd. Uh, but man, once you start saying sin and hey, you've got sin, you need to deal with that, Ooh, it's kind of heavy, right? And uh, so, this isn't something we often tackle in general, right? Yeah, it's not really a, a
1: crowd pleaser. You know, if you're looking <laughs> to just fill seats in your church on a Sunday morning, it's probably not the direction you're going to go. And, if, you know, if you're talking about big stuff like pride and lust, you know, if you advertise that and somebody shows up, everybody's kind of looking over saying, What's wrong with <laughs> that guy over there? Um, so, even <laughs> though we all have the problem, we kind of don't, we don't admit it
0: before other people. Yeah, that's true. So then I guess what we're going to do in this season is we've got 10 episodes. We're going to give guys like 10 easy life hacks for putting sin to death in your life, right? Is is that kind of what we have on (laughs) the agenda? Is that what you're going to give us? Yeah. Yeah. How to eradicate sin in 10 weeks, you
1: know? Uh, (laughs) No, (laughs) No, we got to start by just recognizing the difference between this topic and what we're doing in so many other podcasts, uh, because this isn't a life hack issue. Um, you know, this is, this is a, a grueling battle. Um, it's not that we're without weaponry. It's not that we're without hope that actually over time, sin is going to die and that we won't have the same kind of temptation that we maybe once did, that there is hope of progress. However, we got to realize it's going to be a lifelong battle. So we want to set guys up. We want them to feel as if they actually have weapons, that they're not in a fight with no weapons, um, but also them with the awareness that, okay, it's going to feel like, like the name of the book, it's going to feel like you're in the trenches. Don't be surprised by that
0: reality. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, do we even mention the name of the book, surviving the trenches the name of the book guys, if you don't already have it, I guess I should have mentioned that and I'll put it in the show notes. The book's called surviving the trenches. If you don't yet have it, do grab it. It is a tool. I think that's what we see this as. It's a tool for you to go and address this issue that nobody else is, is really addressing. Hey, let's go there. Let's talk about fighting sin. And we hope you see this podcast kind of as okay, now what do I do? How do I kind of put legs to some of this? Um, That's our aim in this. What we're going to give you is 10 rules of war is what we're calling it. Um, So this is, hey, if you want to go to battle, you actually want to do it. You want to start fighting the sin in your life. Where do you begin? What are the the rules? What is the the things you need to live by and think through in order to do this? Um, And again, like Joe said, they're not... um, Oh, you just do this one step one, do this today. And okay. Now sin is out of your life today and just you're, you're fine. Now this is kind of a cumulative effort uh, and taking all this in as one big effort towards fighting sin. So let's just kick that off with our first rule this week. Um, So our first rule is that you need a change of kingdoms, right? You need to think about a change in kingdoms. So outline what you mean by that for us.
1: Yeah. Uh, So step one, before we do anything, uh, and even before we try to adjust our mindset, uh, we need to actually catch up with reality, the Hmm. the actual state of this world. And fighting sin, it begins with understanding that the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a definitive victory over uh, Satan, over sin, over evil. And that when he rose up, he rose up as a king and that he's been given authority. And so we've got to begin. It's, it's almost like, you know, D-Day, this sort of uh, world war II moment where you realize there's been this definitive victory that changes the landscape of the battle as a whole. And oh. that we live on the other side of that. And so, you know, the first step is just to realize that there are two kingdoms mm. and uh, you know, that the new Testament is honest, that if you're not a Christian, you're actually a slave of sin. And so, uh, we don't need to debate the whole kind of free will thing, but the fact is, if you're not a Christian, you're in bondage. And so yes. don't even expect to be able to fight sin because it has dominion over your life. But then on the other side, if you're a Christian, you've transferred kingdoms. Hmm. And so now, you know, you are defined not by sin in its presence. You're defined by who Jesus is, that victory that he's achieved through his death and resurrection. And you're actually now a citizen of that kingdom, which means you're not a slave of sin. And so that reality, that landscape, that's where we've got to, we've got to start.
0: Yeah, that's great because it is a change in perspective there on where do I stand? What realm am I in uh, before identifying as a slave of sin and now freedom that we have now? But let me, let me uh, press in a little bit here on that, um, Part of, I guess, what you're getting at, what you got, what you want guys to, to hear is that this is uh, not necessarily starting with a feeling, right? Sometimes I think when we start looking at sin and fighting sin, we begin with our feelings because our feelings are so strong, right? And this is why guys are trapped in this feeling of despair. And this feeling of despair uh, comes from bad facts, right? This it's rooted in bad facts. So I think what you're starting is we got to root ourselves in some good facts, gospel facts. Is that where we say guys start start here.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's why we want to move from facts to identity. And and part of the reason we talk about identity all the time, but it honestly you know, we get, we get it somewhat wrong because whenever we think of identity, we start by like navel gazing. We sort, mm. of, sort of turn in on ourselves and say, who, what's my identity. And I kind of look inside my soul and try to find it in myself. And the fact is that's not how identity works. I mean, if I do that, I don't know who I am. Um, however, I could start elsewhere. I know I'm an American. I was born there. I'm a citizen. Um, you know, I know I'm a man. I know it <laughs> biologically in spite of what anybody else tells me, I know I'm a father. Uh, I know I'm a husband. I know I'm a Christian. You know, these things are all rooted in reality and they shape uh, my understanding of myself. And so, you know, when it comes to this kingdom element and we're talking about our identity, we're not trying to feel first. We're starting from that place that no, Paul tells me, you know, if I'm a Christian, I've been raised with Christ. Mm. I'm a son of God. Uh, Mm. I'm a forgiven sinner. You know, my debt has been paid. I'm a citizen of heaven. Um, You know, all of these things, these are objectively true because of my relationship with Jesus. Mm. And the thing is, what this does is all of a sudden it changes uh, my approach to my feelings. So that rather than just trusting them, I've got to filter my feelings. Mm. So this, you know, the reason we're starting with this uh, change of kingdoms idea, not Mm. idea, this truth is guys need to realize this is what's going to protect them from the emotions that otherwise are going to constantly drag them down in this fight. So for example, how easy is it to get caught up in guilt and shame and to be so caught up with say the shame that you keep stumbling into sin that you begin to just feel like, well, that sin defines me. Um, Mm. And the pain of just realizing that I have this struggle it then becomes fuel to repeat whatever the behavior is that produces the shame. And so all of a sudden the feeling of shame, I begin to think this defines who I am. Whereas what we're saying is no, actually we've got to go elsewhere. We've got to realize that as Paul says, there's no condemnation. If my identity is rooted in the fact that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of Christ, that means that that sin, the penalty has been paid for. I'm freed from the guilt I'm freed from this shame. I can kind of shake it off. And every day I can start new and start from a place where I feel as if I've got a, um, I've got the freedom and I've got the opportunity to wage war against sin.
0: Man, that I'll be honest. It sounds great. <laughs> I love that, that way, the way that sounds. Let me, let me do press in on some of my feelings though here, because uh, uh, feelings do kind of guide us sometimes. You've said that I'm not a slave of sin but Joe, why do I feel like one still, right? I still wake up every day and I feel like I am still in slavery to sin, but you told me the fact is I'm not. So what what gives?
1: Yeah, and this is something uh, I think over other weeks, we'll we'll get to explore more. But one of the things uh, as we look at, uh, like Romans six is the key chapter here. And on the one hand, Paul tells us that we're no longer under sin. On the other On the other hand, he goes on and later on he says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey. In other words, uh, we have the the opportunity every day to hand ourselves back over to sin. When we choose sin, we make sin a habit. And anybody who's formed any kind of habit knows uh, the way in which that can feel. Like it actually has control over us. So, you know, to to make all of this, to give it a picture that, you know, the the classic image would be, for example, you think back to the Civil War when uh, Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation and all of these slaves, they were now freed. They were freed by someone who had authority to free them. However, every time they saw, uh, you know, a white person or their old master, they had the opportunity to slip back into that old mentality. Mm -hmm. um and so we can do the same when we see these old sins if we choose that sin in a real sense we then treat it as master it doesn't actually have that rightful authority but we can hand that authority to it functionally and i think that's why often often guys we've been practicing sin even though we're christians and all of a sudden it feels like we're in bondage because we've allowed it to have a mastery over us
0: yeah it calls to mind to an image in my mind of how I often picture my day with sin—it's uh, kind of like you know the game Monopoly. You ever played Monopoly? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like playing a game of Monopoly where every property on the board is a different sinful passion uh, that I have, right? And uh, just rolling the dice. I and mean, if I if I land if I roll a two, I'm gonna land on. Pride and it's got one house on it. If I land a five, if I roll five though, I'm gonna land on lust, and there's there's a hotel on lust, and it's really gonna cost me. And um the, the you know, the, the simple gospel answer there is okay, you can roll on on lust with a hotel. And if you fail, Jesus Christ comes in and pays it. Your monopoly money is no more, no good here. He pays it. And that's that's true. And I think there's 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 victory there. But the other truth that I think you're pointing to is the fact that now dude, I don't have to roll the dice. Stop rolling the dice. Like you can get up and play a different game. You now have the choice to move on and play a different game. You're not stuck rolling the dice over and over again, going around the board of all these sinful passions time and time again. Get up, play a different game. Uh, that's, does that make sense in your mind as well? Yeah, yeah, it does. And this is where, you know,
1: where the kind of rubber hits the road with this, this rule is, you know, Paulie tells us, that we've got to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Mm. Jesus. Now, practically what this means for guys is every day, we've got to remind ourselves of what team we're on, of whose kingdom we're actually a part of, uh, because we're going to forget it. And like you said, we're so used to playing, rolling the dice. That's just how we operate. And so we start our day just functionally giving ourselves over to sin and we've got to actually remember that, no, we're dead to that. Mm. We're alive to God that today. I don't have to, like you said, roll that dice. I can make other choices, but I've got to start from that position of knowing that I've died to sin. I'm alive to Christ. Now, what does it mean to live according to his kingdom today?
0: Mm. That's great. I think that hopefully that's helpful for guys to see just the, the perspective shift, the reality shift of we live in a different realm. We live, we have, died to sin yes it's true that i love the imagery you provided there just the the slavery now living a free life i want to take a a minute though and now let's let's put some real legs on it and go to a sin issue let's let's uh, tackle what guys are actually struggling with and see how some of this applies so let's talk about let's go to lust right Mm -hmm. let's talk about lust all guys deal with this um First, let's let's define it right uh, let's let's give a clear picture of what lust is and uh, isn't lust porn isn't that what it is right how, isn't right. how you define lust is just porn right yeah uh, yeah no I I think this is
1: something where we, we so often just think that, that the sin is a single action whereas there's it's actually it's a passion we got to have clarity about what that passion is um, I think I think the simplest definition for lust is that it's just reducing another person to their sexual value, hmm. um, and you know, if we keep this kind of two kingdoms truth in mind, you know, women walk in front of men, whether they're Christians or non-Christians. Yeah. But how we view these things according to which kingdom is totally different. Hmm. And so the way you know within that old kind of kingdom, the way this world operates, governed by lust, you know, we think there's something to be consumed. Um, hmm. you know, they're, they're just to be consumed for my my immediate pleasure. And that's what we do when we lust. Uh, Whereas, you know, as soon as we're part of the kingdom of Christ, we realize, no, that's a person that's to be loved. Yes. And the opposite of lust is always love and love recognizes the dignity of a whole person. It recognizes that I have to show responsibility toward this person, whatever that looks like. And so love and lust can never coincide. Hmm. We're a part of the kingdom that loves people, including women obviously, but with real Christian love, and that excludes this, uh, this tendency, we have to just reduce them to some sort of sexual meat.
0: Yeah, that's great. Because I think it, it can be tempting to, if we reduce the definition of lust to just porn, then, you know, our our, our goal is to help guys kill sin, right? And so if I can just kill my porn habit, then I've killed lust, that's where, where we can get trapped in our thinking, right? Well, if I can get rid of, my addiction to porn, then I will no longer struggle with lust. And let me tell you, that's not true. <laughs> right. So uh, there is a more expansive definition and it does, I think, come down to this, these, these two kingdoms that you've talked about. There's a difference there. That's where some of this plays in. Right.
1: When And I think, you know, even on that porn note, what's so we don't realize what the, the the real evil of porn, for example, is. Um, we think it's just like cheating on our wife. Mm. The even deeper problem is it actually affects how we view women, including our wife. So it teaches us, it inculcates this idea that women are objects to be consumed. Mm. And I carry that with myself everywhere. So now I'm not looking at porn. I'm just looking at the person in the the office place. But that's how I've habituated my eyes to look at women. Mm. And so this is where we're going to see this with all of these sins, The goal is never just to put the sin off, but to put the actual virtue on that if you actually grew in it, would eliminate it. And so this is where rather than that porn that teaches me to view women a particular way, how do I actually learn to see women as I think the best pictures is is as I would view my sister? You know, Mm. no, no, I don't know anybody who lusts after their sister because we know that is there's a dignity, there's a value. I won't even go there. And we need to take that same lens and actually apply it to, to women throughout our lives saying that this is the kind of respect I need to view them with.
0: Yeah, I think that that's helpful in knowing what you said there, you got to not only put the sin off, but put on also right. this new virtue. It helps in just the daily, I think through my daily life. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, guys probably identify with you walk through your local grocery store. And maybe you've said this prayer before. God, can't you just uninvent yoga pants? Right? <laughs> have you ever have you ever prayed that? Like you just you're walking through the grocery store and you just get to this moment of this prayer. God, can't you just uninvent yoga pants? And again, and uh, it's it's really out of frustration. And uh, part of it is we see something we need to put off, but we're hoping somebody else will will deal with it, right? We're we're trying to say, can you? We're, we're, we're pushing that action off onto someone else. Uh, maybe recognizing God has power to do something and even do something big, but can you do it in the life of someone else? And because I, I don't know that I can or want to change. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you, do, does, that, does that resonate with just an everyday reality? How do, we, how do we do? We're walking places and we, we're going to see what we see. How do we deal with it? What do we do? What would be your suggestion for guys? Okay, you're walking through your local grocery store. What do you do?
1: Yeah. And this is where, uh, guys, w- you know, we need something, we need a tool, we need, we need a weapon, um, because all of us, uh, partly intentionally, partly unintentionally. I mean, just our world teaches us, it schools us in lust, you know, mm. uh, by the time we got through high school, we were really good at, uh, that game. Um, so yeah, what can we do? I think the best advice I've seen, this guy, Jason Evert, who, uh, has probably the best podcast, uh, title for his podcast, which is lust is boring of anybody, you know, you're never going to forget that title. It's great. But uh, Jason, one of the things he recommends um, when we feel lust in that moment, you see that woman is um, he talks about like making the sign of the cross, um, whether you do it physically or just, you know, in your head, but with each of these directions, you go through emotion. So first of all, you know, you go up with this sign of the cross And what we should do with that motion is, first of all, and this may sound crazy to guys, is to give thanks. Um, One of the problems that we have with lust is we sometimes think that female beauty is evil, and it's not. God made it. So, uh, you know, that first motion, recognizing the goodness of God's creation and the fact that he can be glorified through the beauty of a woman. However, quickly from that motion up, there's a motion down. And what we remember there is just the depravity of our heart, because what we do, it's not that God didn't do this. We then take that good thing he made and we use it for something that wasn't intended for. And that's when we objectify that woman. And so we immediately then there's that moment of confession where we actually say, God, you know, I'm sorry because I just lusted um, after this woman. Now, then there's a motion to the side. And I love this one because what he what Jason says to do then is uh, to actually pray. For that person. And that's such a powerful move because what it does is that that all of a sudden revives the dignity that she has in my eyes. That I'm, I cannot pray for her and treat her like an object to be consumed at the same time. Rather, I'm taking responsibility and recognizing, and possibly, you know, if you're thinking of a woman, maybe she's re- really trying to get the attention of men, more than likely she's a hurting soul. And so, you know, what is it? And so take that moment and just say, Lord, whatever that pain is. Uh, in her life. Would you please bless her today? And then that final motion, and this is a great way to complete um, the movement, is uh, as you go to the other side, is to actually recall that if we trust God, all of our deepest desires will ultimately be fulfilled in Him. And so God, He tells us to say no for the moment, like she's not for you right now, but if you trust me, That desire you have is ultimately going to find fulfillment in me. And so say yes to something greater that is going to take some waiting, but it will find fulfillment. And so I think if you go through those four motions, it really gets to the root of what lust is, you know, turns it on its head and uh, creates an opportunity to actually um, practice love and to look to the Lord for fulfillment, which is, you know, which is amazingly powerful.
0: That's so good that Joe, that may be one of the most helpful things I've heard in a while. Uh, so practical. I hope other guys find it the same. Um, Cause yeah, that is a kingdom mindset there. There's, there's just, you got to identify in a different kingdom if you're going to act that way. And if you want to fight uh, against this and that's, uh, that's such a helpful practical tool. So thanks for sharing that. Um, any, before I close this out, anything else you want to share on just this topic of a change of kingdom or uh, the practical legs and lust uh, as we help guys.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think let's, let's just encourage guys uh, to, to, to really listen to Paul when he says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Um, you know, that that's going to tell you that moment where Satan's going to want to just speak condemnation and remind you of all that you have done all the times that you have felt failed. failed. Mm. It's that recognition. Yeah. But I've died to all that, you know, that work has paid that penalty. And so again, rather than feeling shame, uh, you can start fresh. And we need to have that position um, at the start of this battle that actually I'm not defined by my sin. I'm defined by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, I'm free from all of the unhelpful shame and guilt. And I've got an opportunity today, a new opportunity to actually uh, follow Jesus. And so we, we can begin every single day, in fact, every situation from a stance of hope. And, yes. and we need that to be in this battle.
0: Yes, yes, that's great. Well, uh guys, I hope you found this helpful today and if you're looking for more, um I'd encourage you go to survivingthetrenches.men and there you will find a whole host of resources for this. Our goal is really to help guys begin to see, hey, you don't have to live life in despair. You can fight back against sin and this is why Joe has written this book, Surviving the Trenches and this is why we've set up even in addition to that a 10 week uh, program, a challenge for you and your friends to go through to begin doing this and doing alongside one another. Um so go to men. you'll see more information there and come back to us uh, next week and we'll talk again about the second rule of war.